Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is uh, two ways to leave work stress behind. We're also chatting with Christina Gerkaitis from Ideation at Work, who's down in Melbourne at an innovation conference. So we're going to talk to her about avoiding the fear of failure. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Robert Stark from Baker Love Lawyers, about handling those underperforming employees. Good afternoon, Robert. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm well, and thank you once again for joining us. My pleasure. So uh, I suppose uh, the first question is, what should an employer do if an employee is underperforming in their workplace? The first step in the process is for the employer to have policies and procedures in place to deal with this exact problem. Now, if there's no formal procedures in place, if you're, for example, a smaller business, then it's a, it's a basic step process plan where you identify the problem, you assess and analyze the problem, then you work towards meeting with the employee to devise a solution, and then, of course, monitor the problem before it gets worse. So, uh, obviously, there's a couple of types of employee terminations. It's the uh, uh, employer uh, initiated termination and an employee initiated termination. What's the difference with those? Yeah, definitely. Look, employees are entitled to terminate their employment, and that's usually referred to as resignation. And alternatively, if an employee stops showing up, there's abandonment. Uh, so that needs to be formalized as well. Now, employer-initiated terminations comprise of termination on notice, uh, summary dismissal, which is usually reserved for something that's uh, of grave misconduct, and then lastly, redundancy. So uh, how would you define grave misconduct? Grave misconduct is, uh, look, it's, it's fairly, fairly subjective, um, but typical examples are, for example, alcohol in the workplace or, or sexual misconduct in the workplace, uh, stealing, mm. fraudulent behavior. And obviously, uh, a lot of situations occur where uh, a person has been dismissed uh, and they will want to go for unfair dismissal. What What is unfair dismissal? Look, the test for unfair dismissal is, was the termination harsh, unjust, or unreasonable? And basically, in addition to that test, uh, it has to be based on conduct or performance or lack of conduct or, or proper performance in the workplace and there must be a sound and defensible and based on fact before dismissing anybody. Uh, now going back to that initial point in, in terms of following procedural fairness, there has to be due process followed and often in assessing whether there's been unfair dismissal, it's important to consider whether the proper steps were taken prior to that dismissal and whether natural justice was afforded to the employee. So what is the unfair dismissal claim process then? Look, from, from an employee standpoint, if, they, if an employee is dismissed they, uh, and they believe it's unfair, there is a process where they have to file a claim. And that has to be done typically within 21 days of the dismissal. Employers have to be aware that if they do receive a claim, uh, the employer will then be forced to or obligated to respond to that claim formally through the Fair Work Commission. And then the third step in the process is typically a conciliation process uh, or a meeting, which is typically conducted by telephone. If the matter is not resolved, then it goes to a final arbitration, which is effectively a court hearing. 
Are all companies affected by the unfair dismissal or is there a, a certain ones that are exempt? There are different thresholds mm. and it should be cased, uh, it'd be cased uh, on a, dealt with on a case-by-case basis, but certainly not, not everyone is, is under this regime, it, depending on how much the employee is making, the, the, the size of the business, and so it'd be dealt with on a, on a case-by-case matter-specific basis. Okay, so it's not just larger businesses, it could be smaller businesses as well. So uh, I suppose uh, to, to sum it all up, prior to terminating an employee, what are some of your tips then for uh, best practice? I always tell all my clients that there's, there's basically it's a sense of common sense. Okay, So when you're looking for tips for best practice, you have to make sure that before dismissing any, anybody that you ensure there's been procedural fairness, uh, that you give your employees a chance to improve, you give your employees a chance to give input on the process, so you ask for their feedback in terms of well, how do you think they are performing in the workplace and how you think they can improve in the workplace. The employers then have to consider that feedback, and if they're going to conduct any sort of disciplinary meetings, they should, and it's prudent to allow a support person to attend. Flowing on from those meetings, you should have a paper trail, whether that's file notes or, or emails or formal letters. And lastly, my, my tip for best practices, ensure that you always have employment contracts in place with all of your employees, whether they're casual, full-time, or part-time. It's quite critical to the process to add certainty. So it gets back really to the procedures and systems, doesn't it, having things documented? Exactly right. Yeah, Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Robert. We'll have a chat with you again another time. My pleasure, Julian. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Robert Stark there from Baker Love Lawyers, handling those underperforming employees. Time to pop over to Christina and have a minute on innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm well, and I believe you're having fun, fun, fun in Melbourne. I am, and if you hear any ding-dings, it's the trams going past. Tramps. Okay. All right. So you've just been to a conference down there, an innovation-type conference, uh, yes. where, yep. where they talked about fear of failure. So we thought we'd have a chat with uh, avoiding that fear of failure. Yeah, so it was a, it was quite a common theme, and I know we've discussed it before. Um, so being, being uh, risk-averse is one of the main things stopping um, our true step into innovation. And there was quite a bit of talk about fear of failure and risk averseness and how we avoid it. But it's actually something we've discussed um, continuously in the past as well, Julian. And one of the things that I personally believe is about it's kind of about time that we walked our talk. As soon as census failed, um, everybody wanted somebody's head to roll, wanted, you know, the sack the Prime Minister, get a new Prime Minister, all this kind of thing. Mm. And we walk around going, we're part of the ideas boom, we're trying to get new things happening in this country. You know, we've got a new movement around innovation. And yet one of the most important things, allowing people or giving people that permission to fail, uh, we don't tend to walk the talk around that. And when we talk about risk averseness and when we talk about fear of failure, we're not talking about an investment of a billion dollars that's gone down the tubes or, you know, we're talking about incremental failure. So giving people in your organisation permission to try different things, permission to try a new product, try a new service, um, and take a leaf out of, out of books like Blue Chili um, and certain debt collecting companies who actually reward failure. You know, they say, okay, if you if you muck something up, you're going to get this wonderful award, which I won't tell you what it's called on radio, 
Um, and if, if, but part of that, part of the honour almost in accepting that award is that you have to educate the rest of the organisation as to why we shouldn't do that. And, and, um, it, you know, and you only have to look at a lot of the successful people, you know, people like Walt Disney uh, and so forth, um, and they've all failed at some stage in their careers. That's right. Dyson, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Saunders from Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, um, WD-40, there's countless examples. Edison, mm. countless examples of people that didn't give up. And that's one of the lessons in innovation is that perseverance, persistence, keep going, you know, get past that number one failure that you've had. So it's really time that we walk our talk. Uh, and again, we're not talking about monumental failures. We're talking about incremental failures that lead you towards new products and new services. That was one of the, the highly um, debated things at the conference. The other thing um, that came up quite often, and we might have a full-on chat about this maybe next week, was the artificial intelligence debate right. um, with people people like Hawkins and Gates and Elon Musk who have actually said, you know, we need to be wary of what's going on in, in this field um, because for every light side of, of an innovation, you know, there's a dark side. So whoever invented the ship, invented the shipwreck, that conversation we've also had. I must tell you, I saw the most amazing um, 3D printing uh, at Monash University. Some of the new technologies that are coming out there were actually 3D printing parts of engines, jet engines, um, and I saw them out of stainless steel. Quite remarkable things that are happening in that space and what that means as far as the environment goes, as far as um, efficiencies. And also one of the benefits of doing that is actually having manufacturing of such products, even though it's a 3D printing, on necessity. But yeah. it's, off, it's onshore. It's not something now that needs to be delegated offshore. Um, for an astrophysicist from Australia, how's this for the dream? Dr Abigail Allwood, who astrophysicist, as I said, she's working on the Mars landings, and it was actually part of her um, project proposal that got through, and she's now they've landed seven um, little jets on Mars that are going to help us decide once and for all whether there has been life on Mars. But, you know, oh. young girl from Australia has a dream, goes over to, the, goes over to NASA, um, wins a, a project proposal and is now part of a team that's putting, uh, you know, vehicles on Mars. Yeah, and, uh, and on the TV the other night, there was this uh, young boy uh, who uh, had uh, leukaemia and he's invented this uh, way of dispensing uh, Band-Aids uh, out of a, one of those little rolly things like we do with labels because he Amazing. watched, he watched uh, his the nurses, first of all, trying to take the backing off a Band-Aid with their gloves on and then his mother had trouble as well and he came up with this idea of uh, one of those, you know, tape dispenser type things and, and having Band-Aids. You know, what a great idea. And isn't that connecting the dots? Isn't that yeah. something, you know, you come up, you see a problem in your head and it's not, neither of those two systems are new. The Band-Aid's not new, the tape no. dispenser is not new. No. But he joined the dots and he said through necessity um, and probably because he gave himself that quiet time. There's quite a bit of discussion around that as well. Of course, yeah. Well, you have a safe trip back and we'll have a chat with you again next week. We shall. You too. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiatis there talking about the avoiding fear of failure and certainly it's a, a challenge that a lot of people do have in, in business, especially going into business for the first time. They wonder, uh, is this going to work or not? And there's that fear there, although sometimes it's the fear of success. Maybe this business is going to get too big and I won't be able to handle it. Got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one here, two ways to leave work stress behind. After a long day, it can be a struggle to leave work behind you. Too often, we take our job-related stress on our friends, children or partners. 
Here are two ways to make sure your work troubles stay at the office. First of all, have an end-of-work habit. Signal to your brain that it's time to go home with a ritual that helps you unwind. Take a more scenic route home. Listen to music on the bus or in the car. Go to the gym. Make time for this habit so you can switch your gears before you get home, not as you are walking in the door. Secondly, create a third space. It's easier to just shuttle back and forth, physically and emotionally, between work and home. But having a third space besides those two locations will help you decompress. It might be anything from a quiet cafe to a book club to a poker night. It should be a place where you explore your interests, relax and ideally find fulfilment. It's taken from a book, Don't Take Work Stress Home With You by Jackie Coleman and John Coleman. And this one here, Beat Procrastination by Thinking About the Future. Typically, the upside of completing a task isn't enough to put us in the to put in the effort to actually do it. That's because the present is concrete and the future is abstract. But you can short-circuit your procrastination tendencies by making the future feel more real. Here's how. First of all, visualize. Take a moment to paint a vivid mental picture of the benefits of completing the task. If there's a phone call you're avoiding or an email you're putting off, imagine the sense of satisfaction you will feel when it's over. Secondly, pre-commit publicly. Most of us don't want to look foolish or lazy to other people. So dare to say, I'll send you the report by the end of the day. It can be enough to make taking action more appealing. And finally, confront the downside of inaction. Instead of telling yourself you can do the task tomorrow or the day after, force yourself to think about the downside of putting it off. What are the real consequences of not getting it done today and we've got more time for just one more here take time to discuss your company's culture company culture can feel hard to control which is why many leaders avoid deliberately creating it but you can't just let culture happen in fact companies should be as intentional about culture as they are about strategy and business model innovation to be become more systematic about culture design, you need to have tough conversations about what your current culture is and what your ideal culture looks like. Then you can work to bring the two closer together. Start by these by discussing, focusing on three elements. First of all, the outcomes, the things you want and don't want your culture to achieve. Secondly, behaviours, the visible parts of your culture, the positive or negative actions people perform every day that result in outcomes. And finally, the enablers and the blockers, the format and the formal and informal policies, rituals, actions and rules that enable or block your culture. They're the elements that truly help you achieve your desired culture. And cultures can be made and made There's all sorts of cultures in businesses. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Dave Cochran will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, I'm going to have a chat with uh, Dale Beaumont from Business Blueprint about new rules of business and uh, a one-day seminar that he's bringing here to Newcastle. We'll have our discussion on innovation with Christina and, of course, some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. 
I'd love your company again for Business, The Law Renew at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting, prosperous week. And as Donald Trump once said many years ago, without passion, you don't have energy. Without energy, you have nothing. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>